the Boston Bruins are indeed the NHL's best team halfway through the season. They beat the Sharks 4-2. to We'll talk about all that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and teal together with us, come join the conversation and check out us across all the social media platforms, that being the YouTube chat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, TikTok, all that and more at tealtownusa.com. And if you like what you see, drop us a line over at Venmo at tealtownusa. That's always appreciated. Your tax dollars hard at work. <laughs> I am pleased to be joined by Mr. Puck Guy. Eric, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know what to say at this point. <laughs> you know, we're halfway with through. that. Good night, everyone. <laughs> we're halfway through the season. We are at loss for words for sure. Uh, right. I mean, 41 <laughs> games through, we are officially at this halfway point of the season and the Sharks somehow look worse than they did last year. And, uh, you know, we've got some concerning, uh, you know, some concerning storylines coming out of the team uh, insofar as uh, way, ways the uh, the pros- prospects have been handled, um, question marks on, you know, what the system is actually filtering up into the NHL team and where the... Um, Barracuda are at, uh, quite frankly, as well. Um, just all around some very concerning uh, concerning narratives coming out of the team. And uh, I think first it starts with this this play on ice. Um, and, and the Bruins just coming out and just dominating from the first frame on. Um, Brad Marchand getting his 12th goal of the season, McAvoy and Bergeron getting the assist there, but that comes a minute and three seconds in Hmm. again, another trend that we continue to see this team give up goals within, uh, you know, within the span of two minutes in the, in the opening frame or, or opening part of a period. Eric, I mean, is it just simple as depth of, Boston greater than depth of San Jose or is it also kind of a maybe a lack of of hunger overall from a team I, I'm, I'm just again I, I don't know what to say at this point that hasn't already been said it's it's true and I think we've had I've had this conversation with Ian uh, even with AJ a little bit it's like what else can you say about this team going through these mistakes over and over again. I mean, 63 seconds in, you let in Marchand with probably, probably the of of all the nicer first minute goals that happened against the Sharks. That one was pretty nice. Uh, Backhand and, going through three Sharks defenders in the zone. It, it looked like Keystone Cops. Well, and then you and then you see Smith making it two nothing. I know I'm not I'm jumping the gun here, but you make it two nothing, and you're thinking, oh crap, is it going to be this Nashville game all over again like it was last year? Craig um, Smith getting his second on the season with Fogliano and Coyle getting the assist there on that one coming in at five thirty two in the first. It's just you know, and, and you know, 
hate to say it because I know he's a fan favorite and everything, but Mario Ferraro did not have a good game tonight. Uh, and, you know, Harrington was also part of that breakdown and turnover uh, on that play. But, dude, you can't have those. I, I mean, I, you got to be better. And, and that's where that's where the defense, you know, hurts your goaltending because those are some of the things that they should be better at. It, and uh, it, it hurts. It's not. It's not a pretty, uh, pretty one to go. And and that's probably where, where maybe Ryan Merkley's thinking. You're telling me, me I can't make here. this team. No, you're telling me I can't be on this team right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hence, get me out of here. Um, Logan Couture would make it a little interesting. Um, getting a. A uh, goal about a minute and 35 seconds later uh, at yeah. 6.57. Uh, his 15th on the season, Barabanov and Vlasic with the assists. Uh, you know, and again, showing some, a little bit of life, but still territorially and, and just, I think for momentum's sake, Boston came out and, I mean, they throttled them. I mean, you looked at the shots on goal, 12 to 6 in that first period. The Sharks mm-hmm. did get a goal, but, you know, maybe a, a little bit of a, of a lucky redirect from, from Couture because, you know, while, while Couture did angle the stick, I mean, he just happened to have his stick laying out in the lane. Um, and, and really, whoever set up that that pass, you know, that being Barabanov doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, you know, finding him there and, and putting it on the tape. I mean, literally, Logan just had to angle his stick, and that was it. Barbie's finding his game all right. I, I think he's played really well these last. Uh, you, you know what? Since the Dallas game, you know where he he got a goal, he drew a penalty. You know, I, I don't think he had anything really to show for Chicago wise, if I recall correctly. But he got that opening goal. Friday night against Anaheim. Then tonight he gets, you know, th- sets up Couture. I mean, he, he's finding his spots, and he can continuously get better and better. Um, he's going to be a nice trade asset <laughs> come March, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I just don't know uh, where this team starts to pick up the pieces and, and tries to, to make a semblance of a, um, you know, of a shift organizationally back to winning ways. I don't know how that's going to occur right now with the roster well, as constructed and with, um, with the moves that have, have come so far and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit yeah. more organizationally after the game's over, but you know, a microcosm of the Sharks' woes in that first period of, of this half of the season for sure. Come, you know, getting um, come out and throttled early on. Um, a barrage of shots being, you know, let in on, on Reimer. Um, the defense, you know, collapsing in and just not picking up their assignments in their, in their defensive zone, still looking like they don't know where they should be defensively positioning, um, you know, when an opposing team has it in their end. I, you can start. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't, you can't talk. That's the toughest part, but go ahead. Ben. Yeah. I mean, you, we could, we could go uh, on about coaching, you know, we could go on about personnel. 
Um, but at this point, it's got to be the players that are there executing, and they're just just not. You know, they're just not able to execute. Um, just not able to execute at a at a fine enough rate. You know, to give themselves a shot. Um, in that second period, Mar Ferraro would get the the team on the on the board, but I mean, it came fourteen fifty five in the second. And, yeah. you know, just as you're starting to get a little bit of good feelings, okay, you know, the, the score is tied, you know, David Pasternak comes in two minutes later and scores his 28th of the season with Marshawn and McAvoy getting the assists on the power play. Yeah, um, about that power play, though, um, you know, there there's a holding call, which, okay, sure, whatever. Then Felino takes a run at somebody and then, Gajvich comes over and says, why I ought it. And then Gajvich's helmet comes off. I don't think it just fell off. And if judging, you know, by what we saw Friday night in Anaheim, if you rip a player's helmet off, it's a penalty. And even Jonathan Becker said it to me on Twitter, too. It's like, hey, isn't that ripping up helmets off a penalty? Right. And and I, I think on that particular sequence, I was surprised that it just didn't even out. You know, just give give the roughing and give the um the initial slash and call it even but instead um you know the what is it third best power play in the nhl fourth best power play in the nhl comes out and you know puts on a clinic on how to Duh. you know on how to cross ice and um again you, you give pasternak any kind of time and space in front of the net and it's it's game over it, it's yeah you know, that line had, what, seven points tonight between Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Uh, you know, there's something special there, and, and that's why Bergeron stayed uh, with the Bruins for at least another year. Um, th- this team is looking damn right special, and they've gotten everything going for them. You talk about their power play, well, it's the least of which the number one PK. I mean, outside the Sharks, it's been basically them and Boston, uh, you know, going back and forth on the PK there. And uh, But they just have a, a solid lineup, solid depth pieces that know what they're supposed to be doing on hand. Uh, and so be it. That's That's where... And and you throw David Krejci back into the mix, right? Yeah, why not, right? It, oh no, exactly. And you know that team looks like it's it's poised to to have at least one more, more one more run in the Bergeron era for sure. Um, but again, I I don't know how you walk away from Pasternak um, if you know they haven't gotten a, a deal done. I mean, he just to me that's the that's the player that they had been looking for that that goal scorer that had a little bit of grit that had a little bit of um lack of a better term piss and vinegar in, in the game but could score at an elite clip and right. then you put him together with Marshawn and with Bergeron and you know it's the perfection line for a reason i mean you've got your great two-way centerman you've got your shit disturber and you got your sniper all together and, and they really i mean just they could they could win a stanley cup i mean that line is a number one line for a stanley cup winner in my in my absolutely 
Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Boston is like just so well tuned. Jim Montgomery, you know, uh, hats off to you. Uh, I mean, y- you're looking for for getting his life back on track. Absolutely, and, and he is halfway to, in my opinion, he's halfway to a Jack Adams. For sure, for sure. If they, if if Boston finishes the way that they have started this season at just a complete tear with let's say a 20 point lead in their division i don't i don't see how you could have anybody else but but jim getting the you know getting the jack adams and especially it it being a good story with with the way in which he's he's dealt with um with sobriety and the way in which he's uh, addressed it um and and brought um, you know, full light on you know into his own life and, and allowing, uh, you know, just allowing for a for a fine tooth comb to be run across, run across his life, and, and right. just again being a, a, a role model of how you can redeem yourself and you know with a lot of hard work, a lot of effort, and um, <laughs> therapy, um, AA meetings, what have you, everything, everything, but again, a a good life story. So, um, has them playing an incredible clip, uh, breathing new life into that top line. They would score again, um, in that third period, David Pasternak would to get his 29th of the season with Bergeron and Marshawn getting the assists that coming in nine minutes in the third, um, but Thank you so much for the super chat. Thanks for great Sharks coverage as usual. We appreciate you. Jerry, we love you, buddy. Thank you so much for the donation. Uh, I, I was going to say, but we can go back to to the goal that should, that almost made it 4-2 but got called back. This one, I was kind of holding my breath as to <laughs> the possession going through the you know, through the blue line once again, because oh God. with the way it was yesterday and the way in which I interpreted it, <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, the, the player bringing it through doesn't look like he's got full possession there, but did, did um, the far side player get back quick enough before he started to possess the puck. So I'm looking at it from that perspective rather than looking it up as a, as a as a tag up situation, right? Because this one was one of those tag up situations. So um, again, a little a little different, um, but <laughs> good on the Sharks for not being trigger shy um, and and you know initiating the the review and and able to um, you know take back the goal. But really, a, a tourniquet on a bleeding wound at at that point. I mean. Yeah, I mean, because the Sharks had really kind of used that as their momentum swing with that non-goal, and they just kept bringing out, you know, chances after chances. Not all of them were going in. Uh, And to kind of lean back to it a little bit, they kind of had Boston on the ropes a little bit in that second period where they had their defensemen out for, like, at least, what, three and a half minutes at one time. They kept getting icing call after icing call and just couldn't get anything on there. Uh, but the, then that third, you know, just uh, just kept coming on strong with the with the. I mean, the, the third they were outshot fifteen, 15 to seven. seven. But it, but it felt it didn't feel very dangerous, right? You know, it didn't feel like the Sharks were putting on fifteen goals. It looked like every time the Sharks had a little bit of sustained momentum, Boston would put a good line uh, or a good shift or two together to kind of break it up. 
you know, put a high danger chance on Reimer. They were able to cash in with one goal in that period. Could have made it two very easily yep. if, if Pasta is able to get that empty netter there. Um, so, again, the depth just outclassing the Sharks in that in that final frame. Yeah. And the Sharks not doing doing themselves any favors trying to come back against a, a Boston team that, again, firing on all cylinders, I don't think is, is saying enough with, with how <laughs> good a run that they're on. But nonetheless, it's it's firing on all cylinders. Uh, three stars of your game tonight would be David Pasternak, number one, Brad Marchand, number two, and Patrice Bergeron, number three. You know, no love for for Linus Olmark. Interesting. I mean, the that goaltender has been phenomenal. I think he's got an under two goals against. It might have gone up just a little bit tonight, but I mean, nine thirty three save percentage tonight. Twenty two one and one, Landy. Holy crap! In 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 the where goaltending has gone up big time in this league the last couple of years to have a goaltender that's under two. Uh, it is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, that's, that's, you know, we talk about handing out the hardware since we're at the halfway point, you know, Allmark's got to be up there for the Vesna for sure, uh, in this one, but, you know, solid goaltending from, from Allmark. Of course, Swayman's been in there for Boston as well. You get, you get good goal scoring from your top line, good depth, you know, they have all the marks to go deep, and you're doing this in a, a div- I think not just a conference. Division, but, yeah, the yeah. toughest division in in arguably the tougher conference this year. Yeah. You know, with with um, Toronto and uh, with Florida and with Tampa Bay. I mean, to lead that to lead that division by the margin that they are, I think it's eleven points now. They lead their division, and we're forty-one games through. I mean, that's that's dominant. I mean, like that that reminds me of that that Washington Capitals run. I don't remember which one it was. It was maybe I want to say twenty, right before they won it all. I think they were like the President's Trophy winners. Yeah, that's what it. That, that's what yeah. this kind of reminds me of. Very, very machine-like. You know what I mean? It's it's. It's a system that works well defensively. I think it puts their goaltender in a position to not have to make a lot of acrobatic saves. So as as good as um, Linus is is doing, um, he's also aided by a very good system around him. He's able to to stand up to shots. He's able to front shots very easily he's able to come out and feel that he can come out to the edge of the to the blue paint and and to challenge and not feel like he's got to stay back to to bail out his guys um is is the defense i mean led by mcelvoy for sure but all in all just very balanced you know from from pair to pair to pair there you know none of them like I said, outside of McAvoy, who's a special player, but you know the the rest of the of the collection of defensemen are really solid. I, I'd say two, three type um, type 
players. Yeah. So you you know it's a it's a team it's a defensive core that's that's comprised mostly of two three type defensemen, um, you know one through six. What barring number one being a you know he's definitely a first pair defenseman you know all world kind of offensive defenseman for sure. And again, just very impressed with the balance uh, one through six and very impressed with the balance on each forward line as well. Um, Again, not a lot of drop off when you go from line to line to line and they all play the same way. They all play that kind of downhill, down heavy type. Um, It reminds me of of a Western type game, to be quite honest with you. It reminded me of a Western Conference team or they look more like a Western Conference team than a than an Eastern Conference team. I always, in my mind, I always think of the East as uh, skilled, fast, um, very much about the East-West kind of play. And you know, credit to them, uh, very much a meat and potato style, and really want to grind you down low. And and that's how they make their bones. And dominant in the in the West too. I think they're now fourteen one and two in the Western Conference against the Western Conference. And it's and you look at what I was trying to pull it up really quick. They have what four regulation losses. This team lost to the Arizona Coyotes somehow. <laughs> I mean, they just have those occasional hiccups. And it's not like the other teams that are like the top eleven. In the NHL, you know, the other ones that are in the in the Atlantic with Toronto, you know, I mean, not having a horrible season. They're only 24, 9 and 7. <laughs> they're fourth best in the league. And they're 11 points behind the Bruins, for crying out loud. You, you talk about Tampa, who's the three-time Stanley Cup finalist, two-time champion. You know, they're struggling at 49 points <laughs> against this team. Uh, it just goes to show how dominant they've, how dominant Boston has really led to this year, and the pieces, like we said, are together. Now, Landy, putting that in as a shark standpoint, they didn't play horrible today, but they just kept making those same weird mistakes over and over again, that you know, just make you frustrate. Yeah, and I think that that's that's primarily where a lot of the lack of of being able to explain the team, a, a lack of enthusiasm from our parts at nights because it is the same issues time and time and time again. Yeah, yeah. and I think we're we'll, we'll now kind of shift more towards the the philosophy end of of the of the game for sure. Um, I think. First being, let, let's talk about the moves that were made in the off season for shoring up this defense and, and trying to uh, add some depth to it. You look at the, the pieces that were added tonight, the Benning and Harrington, not inspiring play at all. Um, you've got Eric Carlson, who's, who's trying to do everything and more. I mean, he logs 30 minutes of ice time tonight. I, I just his streak comes to an end. His streak comes to an end exactly. So far, the verdict on Mike Greer has not been so great, and now questioning, uh, you know, questions about the prospects and the system in which they're in, and 
now wanting a key prospect, uh, you know, a really important piece to to the Sharks trying to reset on the fly, asking for a trade out and and saying, hey, look, this this organization is not very deep on the NHL roster. You know, I'm I'm doing a, a lion's share of the offensive work for the AHL team put together I'd say a decent campaign mm-hmm. but it's it's now I don't see a path forward with this team and I, I think honestly Landy it's got to be torn down a little bit more than it already has and I think we're seeing that happening right now we have to have an honest look at what we have and see what we can do with it. You know, I was listening to Morning Tide with Ted Ramey this morning. It's like, would you really want this on the kids right now? And it's and it's tough for me to say because it's like I want these kids up here because I know they, they're ready to, to get the bite going. At the same time, it's like, you don't want them near this mess. But you also have to wonder if these kids are like, dude, I feel like I can help this team out. You know, you look at Logan Couture. Who's Who are her typical linemates, I think, going in the last few minutes of this game? Matt Nieto and Oscar Lindblom. Yeah, I mean, you, at, you don't think you could put Eklund and Bordalo up there and make it much better? Or Harrington? I mean, you don't think that that a guy like um, Ryan Merkley is better than Scott Harrington? Well, I mean, for Merkley, I'll, I'll say his defensive woes have been a little sus with the CUDA this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you almost look at it as like, okay, maybe they already had it in mind that maybe Merkley wasn't in the case, so that's why they signed Matt Benning to a four-year deal uh, to be that guy. I mean... Uh, Benning has had some good offensively good streaks going on. I think one of them got snapped tonight, but at the same time, you know, Ferraro and I see, according to Coach Quinn, he was quote unquote sick as a dog earlier today, but he played on through it. But Ferraro had a rough night outside that goal. Uh, Harrington has a rough night. Ian, whenever we've got, I mean, you and me, when we've done this show with Ian, what's the one thing he said about Matt Benning? Matt Benning sucks. You know, it, it, it's tough. And you have Shimmick injured with a with a concussion, and so the defense is hasn't been as great. Yeah, and, and again, I just how how wor- how much worse could Ryan Merkley be than Scott Harrington? You know what I mean? Like that. Like if if we just look at tonight's lineup, right? You know, and, and just say these are the collection of players that you got. I mean, it seems like there should be better options in the organization than what has been put out there. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So true, but but see, and I go back and forth with this it is. You know, it's okay for the kids to have some seasoning in there. You don't want them in this environment. At the same time, like I said, you, you can have them be like, hey, we want to get in there. We want to show what we got. But again, what what are you what are you going for the, for this season? 
is maybe to compete for a playoff spot if you're in the Sharks organization. Let's be honest here, though. You're the, way the, to... the roster, the way that the roster is constructed, Eric, to me suggests more along the lines of we're trying to get a first overall pick, or or at least the the moves around this roster and the way in which it's constructed looks sure. more like a, a a a contender for a higher draft pick. Yeah, I mean, you you would. If you're on Team Tank, of course, you're excited and hoping for that. But at the same time, it's like, dear God. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you want to see you want to see what you have in in the prospect pool, whether it's in, you know, the AHL with Co Gushin, Bordelo, uh, Eklund, or you can go with, you know, uh, LaRocque playing in WHL Victoria. Or, or even you know Ben Goudreau, who's just coming off a gold medal with, with at the World Juniors for Canada. I, I, and I'm even thinking more even existential on this, Eric. I mean, like John McCarthy going back to the John McCarthy hire. He had no previous coaching experience. I, I mean, head coaching head experience. Co- head coaching experience. Do you, is that the guy that you want leading the development of, of players in which you're banking a lot of the future success of the organization on? Or do you, would you rather go out and find the next hotshot WHL or QMJHL or CHL, somebody at least coming with, with the pedigree of, of developing prospects or, heck, even in the college ranks? I mean, that one to me was just added a layer of ambiguity to what the the team was trying to achieve um and and leaving the 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 fates of some of these prospects in you know a a a coach that hadn't had a lot of experience driving a development system well it's tough. it's tough because it's right. Case... I mean, we like we like John McCarthy, right? We like yeah. you know him as as a person, as a player, what he's gone through, how he's um, you know how he's developed, and and just the kind of person that he is. But was this head coaching position thrust on him too early? You know what I mean? It's not that he's not good for the job, but is it the right time for him to get that? job well i'll be honest it shouldn't be his job because this move should to replace sommer should have happened at least 10 15 years ago i mean you can give all the credit you want to oh kevin lebank oh logan couture oh joe pavelski pavs was with with the minor leagues for like maybe a month and a half before he got his call up logan played like maybe like 20 some odd games before he got called up tomas hurdle was briefly up and down with the Worcester Sharks. Tell me somebody else who, who he was with. Timo Meyer, okay, you got Timo, but I mean, you kind of saw that was due. And and I, I used you know, to... I will say Barkley Goodrow. I'd say he. I would give Sommer some credit with Barkley Goodrow because I think the way in which he, you know, handled his demotion, the way in which he kind of, you know, I. I was going to say nurse mated him through that portion of of his career, but you know, really an awkward phase in his development, right? Where he gets the the little bit of coffee 
call up in the NHL and then, you know, starts in the AHL the next year. So, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that Sommer has had, has had a few bright spots here and there, but overall the, the spotty at best track record developing well, prospects. Yeah. In the developing prospects, uh, more so having a winning attitude, which I think is very paramount with this organization now, you know, that, uh, you know, and I think that's what we all have. And yeah, there were lofty expectations going into the season for the Barracuda, but I, I don't think they were going to be that good. Uh, and it doesn't, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the defense defensively for the CUDA, you know, I don't think they were going to, they were expecting to get hit by an injury bug or, or for, or a call up bug for the sharks. Um, and that's, that's the tough part is that defensively, you know, both the sharks and the CUDA have had their defensive struggles. Uh, you can throw that on some of the goaltending too, you know, so, and it's tough and, in you know, Reimer hasn't been the Reimer as of last year. You know, I, I I remember coming on doing After Darks thinking, you know what? Reimer could be an all-star in Vegas, you know, in 2022 because he had played so well. Now, to be blunt, he's a good goaltender and he's getting more play because he's not Kako Kakinen. Yep, yep. Uh, and and Kapo Kakinen not showing a you know not having a lot of confidence right now and you know the, I think the the confidence in him being a number one is is starting to you know starting to dwindle every every outing it seems like he, you know he's just not able to put together a consistent game uh, you know leaves a lot of questions <laughs> leaves a lot of questions in net um, for sure I mean the the questions through are, are abound throughout the organization so much so that they they put in a waiver claim for um you know michael i uh out of uh, winnipeg so you know showing that the team has such a lack of depth that you've got to go out and you've got to make a waiver claim to me you know a waiver claim very much signals you're you're dealing from a strength of or for, excuse me, dealing from a place of weakness and not a place of strength when, you, when you've got to go in and make a claim like that. I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm happy that we've got this player, you know, joining the team, and it'll be interesting to see what position he actually takes or, or, or if he is just used as the 13th forward. But you've got... Uh, you know, you've got a, a a player in Oscar Limbaum who's who's seemingly play playing better, um, slowly improving, slowly improving. But has he shown enough to to garner more starts, or would you want to have this? Uh, you know, Michael uh, Isamot take a. Um, now, you know, let me hold you there, okay? Because I got I got Kevin. We talked about this before to get the actual pronunciation. I don't know if he. Kind beforehand, but let me make sure I get it for you. So, so Kevin, what's how do you pronounce it? It's Mikey. Acimol. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Okay. Acimol. The the T is uh, what did he say here? He said that the T. He sounds French. Is not it is not silent. So, let's, uh, let's Kevin, see where thank he you. Is, where uh, he hails. So, so oh, he, Littleton, Colorado. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, he's totally French, dude. <laughs> All right, well, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that that good old French Canadian village of Littleton, <laughs> uh, with with the Jets organization, uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, uh, I'm 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 smiling here like grinning like a fool too because it's like wow the hell do you get that get that from that spelling? But so he's played 19 games with the Jets this season, scoring a goal and four assists with a plus five rating. He's also been with the Manitoba Moose uh, with two goals, seven assists, and 27 penalty minutes. In nine uh, games, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, to to which I understand. Well, who was the guy from Nashville that was like, "Oh, the Sharks should go out and claim him." The Sharks should go out and claim him. Uh, uh, or it was like early in December, and, and we picked this guy up. Right. What? Uh, he took the warm up tonight apparently, but he didn't get in for the game just yet. Yeah. Um. Again, kind of raising a little bit of eyebrows on on what what exactly the Sharks are, are thinking behind this waiver claim. Um, you know, Kevin kind of chiming in, not thinking that he's more than an AHLer. Um, and, and you could, you can see Barry out of stats. I mean, he's, he's played okay, but has there been other players, you know, within the Sharks organization de- deserving of a call up more so than him. But yeah. I think it kind of goes to show you where the, the organization's thinking about keeping those kids just intact and leaving them be. And, and that's fine as long as they don't get antsy and itchy like I think Merkley was uh, in, that, in that sense. So, And it's tough for Merkley. I mean, because, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who played 39 games in the NHL. I mean, that's half of a, half of a season. So, you know, you'd think... You you after I mean, I don't know, I, I, I would have said 10 or 15, 10 or 15 games in, in one season would, you know, be a, a, a good outing for a rookie, you know, just trying to break it in. But 39 games, I mean, that's, again, half a half, almost half a schedule's worth of games. True. And but the, the the struggle for for his play, you know, the. There were some defensive breakdowns. There was the did the controller lose batteries? Did, uh, there was also the stick handling, stick handling, stick handling, and then we're running out of room. You know, the the quick decisions weren't happening still, and, and I think that's what the Sharks were hoping to get out of him, whether it was offensively or defensively, and hoping that it would come out, you know, and get out of his game, and it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Yep. So now we're we are where we're at now, with uh, Ryan Merkley requesting a trade. I've seen some some rumbles about, you know, maybe a problem for problem type, um, uh, you know, a type of a move. First thing I thought was Pulyarvi. You know, would would you do a Pulyarvi for Merkley swap? Because we know how much Edmonton needs right-handed defensemen, um, and. You know, I, I, I could see maybe a, a potential fit there, you know, a problem for problem type trade. Um, I don't know that Edmonton would want to do that because I still think that Holland is, you know, kind of high on him and, and his asking price from from everything that we've read has been exorbitantly high, more, you know, more so than, a, than you know, a 
mid mid first round type pick that that Merkley is. So I don't know if there's something to be had there. You know, I've also heard you know maybe Chicago coming out and and doing some kind of like for like trade. But it sounds like from everything that I've heard that Greer is trying to honor the request and is looking for, you know, some potential solution to this um, particular issue because right now the, the player is not playing. And um, yeah. oh, what a segue! <laughs> well, let, what happened? What's happening over with the Barracuda? Uh, well, they were in uh, Coachella Valley tonight, taking on the. Coachella Valley Firebirds and uh, got shut out for nothing in, in this one. Uh, former Barracuda Alexander True uh, had a goal in this one, uh, but uh, Coachella Valley is just I hate to you, you hate to be a bad pun, but they're fire right now. I mean, twenty two six and three and zero on the campaign. They are looking very nicely. For the Barracuda, their their winning streak ends at two after losing eight in a row. Makaniemi um, was in this one, but the, they'll have a chance for redemption on uh, I think it's Tuesday night when they uh, play in Coachella uh, one more time, and then it's the beginning of the back-to-backs where they'll head down to uh, your neck of the woods and taking on the goals uh, next Wednesday. So, uh, and if you want more. Of, of that, Ian Reed will be on the Pucknologist tomorrow with Jerk and AJ. So uh, he'll be breaking down the CUDA and 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 their good things and their bad things. And, uh, you know, a, as Ian would say, when the Barracuda do bad, it's bad. Back to you, Landy. <laughs> and with that, I think we'll start to wrap this up. In case you missed us or you want to check us out again, like, subscribe, smash those buttons on the youtube rewind of course we're also across a lot of different pod catchers of choice that being the apple podcast store the google play store uh, you've got soundcloud spotify TuneIn, iheart audacity and it's, even the website works too absolutely <laughs> check us out at tealtownusa.com for uh, all of the uh, news editorials and where you can find the after darks as well so with that, Puck Guy, what are your final thoughts and where the people can find you? Um, it feels weird being on this side of the of 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 the of the show here. It's it's weird, but it, uh, glad to glad to help you out, buddy. Uh, halfway through this this team is not great. Uh, last year, I I, I want to say they were close to being at twenty one wins, and uh, and we're still vying for a wild card spot. Now, sharks wise, um, uh, I guess we we start playing Tankathon uh, pretty soon. What we're we, the fifth worst team in the league right now, and uh, you know, sucking hard for Budard. All, all I'm gonna say is I just did Tankathon one time, and the Sharks won. Hey, just saying. <laughs> I like those odds. <laughs> I, I don't know which better. What better odds would you rather have? The ones to win Mega Millions for over a billion dollars on Monday, or, or the Sharks to to land Bedard. I don't know. Well, I'm at Puckeye14 on the Twitter and the Instagram, and uh, back to you, Landy. One billion dollars. Um, as far as uh, where you can find me, it's uh, at Eric Landy across all the social media garbage. Some final thoughts. 
Sharks need to to figure out a direction. Well, I mean, they've got a direction that they're going in, but, but the Sharks <laughs> need to figure. Um, Yikes! <laughs> need to figure a uh, a new game plan out for how to steer this franchise out of the uh, tailspin that it's been pointing in its nose in so far. Uh, we've got half a season to start to clean this up. Uh, just start with the little things and and go from there. But uh, Eric, I'll let you take it out. I. Uh, Landy, all the best to you, my friend. Happy New Year uh, to everyone out there. Hey, Pucknologist, Sunday night, 7 p.m. Recap the week that was in Sharks Hockey with AJ Jerk plus Ian Reed. We'll check in and tell you how wonderful the CUDA has been uh, this season. And, and Holly, a first half review because that's, uh, that's what we do around here. So, hey, thanks for watching. Appreciate you. We'll be back after Darkwise Tuesday night following the Sharks' inaugural trip to Tempe as they take on the Desert Dogs at Mullet Arena. That's a 6 o'clock start, so we'll be on roughly around 8.30 on Tuesday night. So until then, thanks for watching. Keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you for Technologist Sunday and After Dark on Tuesday. Good night, everyone.